0: The Old Testament reading for this, the first Sunday in Advent, comes from the prophet Jeremiah, the 33rd chapter. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called The Lord is our righteousness. And this is the word of the Lord. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming to you. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The, of the Lord, we bless you. The epistle reading comes from Paul's first letter to the church in Thessalonica, the 3rd chapter. What thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that He may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all His saints. And this is the word of the Lord. Be to God. We rise for the reading of the Gospel. Well, the gospel comes to us according to St. Luke, the 21st chapter. Jesus said, There will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on the earth distress of nations in perplexity, because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory, Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. How many of you have scars from Christmas pageants long ago? I'm not talking about physical scars where Joseph tripped on his robe and went face first into the manger, or where two angels got into a shoving match and one ended up falling down the stairs. How many of you have the lines that you were supposed to recite seared into your brain so deeply that you will never forget what you had to say for your second grade pageant? After practicing them over and over and over so that you wouldn't forget them for the pageant, you wind up never forgetting them, ever, this is the case with me for a pageant that we did one year when I was a child. I don't even remember how old I was. I don't remember if I had any other part in the pageant. But what I do remember is that I, in a chorus of other children, spoke this certain refrain over and over throughout the program. And what we said was, We are waiting, waiting, waiting. That's it. But that line has been burned into my brain forever. To the point that I actually find myself quoting it to other people as if they should know what I'm talking about. And when they look at me like, what are you saying? I'm just like, well, the pageant, of course. And while others might not know that particular line, it is a really good summary of the Advent season. Advent is that season where we wait Where we prepare ourselves spiritually for Christmas. The weeks of anxiously awaiting the celebration of Christmas. And we are waiting, waiting, waiting. We wait while the world around us enters into Christmas time. We wait while the world says Christmas sales have begun. The 12 days of Christmas countdown, which they get totally wrong because those are the days after Christmas, While the world celebrates Christmas already, in the church, we wait. We wait to celebrate the birth. We wait to shout out our joyous cries of hallelujah. We wait to welcome the Lord anew. But our Advent wait for a month? That's nothing compared to Israel's waiting for the Messiah. In the Old Testament reading today, through the prophet Jeremiah... God repeated the messianic promise. He says, behold, the days are coming when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. The days are coming, he says, 600 some years before Jesus Christ was born. And they waited. In fact, they had been waiting for even longer than that. God's people knew of this promised Savior since before Jeremiah, since before Abraham, even before Noah. Since the very beginning, since that very first promise made to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, God's people knew the promise of the Messiah, that God would come to them in the flesh and save them from their sins. They knew, and they waited, waited, waited. And we wait, too, in a sense. Advent is a time of waiting. A time when we commemorate how God's people anxiously awaited the arrival of the Messiah. We, of course, know that Jesus Christ has already come, but still we wait. The question for us is this. What are we waiting for? Well, of course, we're waiting for Christmas. I mean, that's obvious. But just what about Christmas are we waiting for? As we count the days, as we slowly light the candles of the Advent wreath, what exactly are we waiting for? Are we waiting for just those earthly joys of Christmas time? For most people, Christian and non Christian alike, this is a season of joy. It's a time when people decorate their houses, they dress up, they go out and do things as a family. It's a time for friends and family to get together, for children to look with wonder at the bright displays, for people to wish happiness and joy even on total strangers. It's a time when people think a little more about those less fortunate, exchange gifts with those they love. It's a time of almost universal joy. And none of these things are bad. In fact, they're great. But for many people, this is all that Christmas is about Christmas is simply a matter of nostalgia and gifts. It's a temporary time of joy and goodwill, and no more. In fact, for many people, the joy and goodwill are only going to last as long as the Christmas cookies and beverages do, if even that long. The joy of Christmas is so often shattered by fights and arguments between friends and family and coworkers. That Rockwellian serenity of a snowy night is broken by drunken revelry. Greed and envy replace joy and wonder as we pout about what we didn't get for Christmas. Goodwill toward our fellow man leaves us as we vow to smash the next Salvation Army bell that we hear ringing. Our waiting becomes less than joyful as we fight the crowds at the stores and we wonder just how long it's going to be before they restock that griddle that we desperately need. Peace doesn't seem to be the word of the season. As we count the shopping days left, as we try to balance our chaotic schedules, and as we promise ourselves we are going to make it to church next time. So is this Christmas? Is this what we're waiting for? A fleeting moment of nostalgia, a mountain of gifts beneath our tree, and a brief time of goodwill toward each other? No. This is what our sinful world has made Christmas, or holiday, as it would rather be called to not hurt anyone's feelings. The devil, the world, and our own sinful flesh can take something even as pure and wonderful as Christmas and ruin it. Through commercializing it, through cheapening it and making it nothing more than one of many winter holidays, through taking the focus off the manger, and putting it on our own earthly desires, sin has perverted even Christmas. Sin has taken a day to celebrate God's gift to the world and has made it a time of stress and anger and greed and envy and debauchery. The world around us has declared that Christmas is no more important than Hanukkah or Tet or Kwanzaa or Winter Solstice or any of the other holidays you want to make up. Christmas to our sinful flesh is nothing more than an excuse to spend beyond our means, to show others up by getting bigger and better gifts, and to indulge in things that we shouldn't. Is that what Christmas is all about to us? Is that what we gather together to celebrate? Is that what we're so eagerly waiting for? Or is there perhaps more? Are we waiting for just the earthly joys of Christmas? Or are we awaiting as God's people long ago waited? Are we waiting for the fulfillment of that promise? Are we waiting for the Lord who is our righteousness? Because that, of course, is the true meaning of Christmas. All the lights, all the gifts, all the glitz and glamour, all of it means nothing without that righteous branch of David. This is the Messiah, the one who saves us from our sin. Christmas is not just a time when we enjoy the goodwill from our friends and our neighbors. When the angels announced goodwill toward man, that goodwill was from God himself. We sinners who deserved nothing but torment and punishment from the righteous creator of all things... We received goodwill instead. And that goodwill was evident through the years as God repeated that promise to give to mankind the good things we did not deserve. As we rejected him, as we turned away from his word, as we despised his promises and said, yeah, right, whatever, God kept his word. And that goodwill was poured out upon the world through so many great blessings, even as God's people waited, waited, waited for the promise to be fulfilled. And now the wait is over. Now God's goodwill has come to us in the flesh, literally. For here in the manger is the Messiah, the one who saves the world from its sin. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely, and this is the name by which it will be called the Lord our righteousness. We've waited, and now the righteous branch has sprung up. Despite our sin, Despite our stubbornness and our wicked desires, the Lord has come to us as promised. He has come to us in such a personal way, a way that we never could have hoped for. God himself humbled himself to take on our flesh, to be born of a young virgin in a tiny little insignificant town. He came to us not in all his glory, but in a way that we could come to him, could stand before him, could speak to him. He came to us in meekness, taking on our pains, knowing our temptations, feeling our sorrow. The branch of David, the Lord our righteousness, has come to us because we could never come to him. We could not make ourselves better. We could not raise ourselves up, and so he came down. And by this branch, Judah is saved, and Jerusalem dwells securely. Not because he's a mighty earthly ruler who crushes all foreign powers who oppose him. But instead we are saved because this branch was hung upon a tree. This child, this savior, for whom we had waited so long, he came to bring us peace and forgiveness at a great cost. He was welcomed by the crowds as he entered Jerusalem, as they waved palms, as they shouted, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord within a week, those cries of praise turned to shouts of anger. Hosanna in the highest was replaced with, Crucify him, crucify him. The one they had waited for for so long, they now wanted dead. But through that death came our life. As Jesus suffered on the cross, as he writhed in agony, as the nails held him up for the world to ridicule and taunt, he pleaded for our forgiveness. He cried out with his dying breath, with his blood, with his very life, for our eternal pardon. This tiny infant that we are waiting to celebrate gave himself as a sacrifice to save the world. The Lord gave up his holy life to give us our righteousness. The righteous branch was killed, was struck down, and was buried. But just as God caused that branch to spring up once... He raised it up once again. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, our Savior, had been killed, but he rose again to new life. The stone of the tomb was rolled back for the whole world to see that it was empty. God's people had waited thousands of years, had waited for the Messiah, had waited for Satan to be defeated, and now, as Jesus triumphantly rose from the grave, the wait was over. Wait was so worth it. We waited, 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 and now we reap the benefits won for us by that righteous branch. We have been saved and we dwell securely. Our sin no longer enslaves us. Satan is no longer our master and cannot terrify us. We have been forgiven by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We stand before God and he looks upon us not as the filthy sinners that we are, but as his holy, pure, and innocent children, washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. Our penalty has been paid in full, and we no longer have to wait, hoping for someone to come save us. Jesus Christ has come, and our wait for the Messiah's arrival is over. The wait was long, but the Lord, our righteousness... Has come to us. And so now a new wait begins. Now that Christ has come, has suffered, died, and rose again, and has ascended into heaven, we now eagerly await the time when he comes to us again. We wait with joy for the time when he gathers us to him, to live with him in eternal paradise. We wait now for his second advent. When he comes again in glory, knowing that at that time we will be set completely free from all of our sin. For his triumphant return and our entrance into his eternal paradise, we are waiting, waiting, waiting. But while we wait, we're not idle. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we wait in confidence. And we share with others why we're waiting. We tell everyone the good news of Jesus Christ, that he has come to us in the flesh, and that he will come again. We wait. And while we wait, we proclaim to Jesus, we proclaim Jesus Christ to a world that so desperately needs him. That's what Christmas is about. And that's what we're waiting for. This child, this helpless baby that we wait for, he is our salvation. He is the righteous branch. He is the Lord, our righteousness, the one who takes away our sins and opens the gates of heaven to all who believe. Israel waited, waited, waited for his birth, and he arrived just as he promised. Through the season of Advent, we are waiting, waiting, waiting to celebrate that birth, to rejoice and sing out his praises and worship at his manger. And throughout our lives as Christians, we are waiting, waiting, waiting for his triumphant return when he comes to judge the living and the dead. And when he does, our wait will be over forever. For we know what awaits us when he returns, the eternal joy of heaven. Yes, we are waiting, 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 but we are waiting in faith waiting in confidence, waiting in absolute certainty of our eternal victory. For by the cross of Jesus Christ alone, by his empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of every one of your sins, and eternal life in heaven is yours. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.